0: Okay, welcome back to I show. I am you. I enjoying the I summer, which <laughs> kind of actually started for me I sort of. Um, oh, that's right. And yeah. with me is... Uh, and I am Sean I I I've been enjoying my summer (laughs) break. For the last couple weeks.
1: (laughs) By the way, congratulations on your your summer break. Thank you. You Thank you. Being an administrator, he gets his delayed by a few days. A couple weeks.
0: And I still have some significant work left to do, so.
1: (laughs) He'll he'll be headed in. Yeah. You you can find him sitting behind his desk probably two or three days.
0: Yeah, a couple days a week probably, and just getting things really ready to go. You know, and it kind of reminds me that, uh, you know, sometimes people say that um, schools should be run more like businesses.
1: Yes, I've heard that, yes.
0: You know, get all this time off. And so there was a a, a little thing about what if Microsoft ran the IRS, because sometimes they say that, you know, government should be run more like a business. Mm Mm-hmm. So, here's, a, here's just a few little tidbits of what it would be like if Microsoft ran the IRS. Okay. You know, somebody really needs to do post-production and and music and stuff like that.
1: Maybe some, something dramatic right here or something. Yeah, you know, I know. Like the Wall Street Journal report or should, something.
0: Should work on that this, this summer, maybe.
1: <laughs>
0: the IRS, as always, announces new tax forms will be mailed the week before the new year. However... Follow Microsoft's example, it will actually ship them the following May. (laughs) Paperware. Of of course, responding to pressure from some large organizations and user groups, some early copies of the tax form will actually be released in March. The recipients must sign (laughs) non-disclosure agreements. In June, the forms will be recalled because the IRS loses a suit for appropriating some other country's intellectual property. Um, when you move, the IRS will continue to send mail to the previous <laughs> address <laughs> forever. Um, when, you, when you upgrade from Form 1040EZ to 1040A and then to 1040, you'll pay an upgrade fee each time. You will also need to send in a new registration card and get a new social security number. In order to upgrade, you must f- you must submit the original first page of your previous <laughs> year's forms. Yeah. I like that
1: one. Then you have to upgrade your pen each time. <laughs>
0: yes, and in your pen each time, too. Um, when you file a late or amended tax return, the IRS will reject it on the grounds that the prior year is no longer supported. <laughs> Uh, After struggling with reams of dense documentation and complex options and rules, you will discover that you need Publication 3297 with a 10-word long title in order to answer, you hope, a single obscure question. The IRS will charge a minimum of $40 for that publication. (laughs) The IRS will continue to issue immense volumes of bug fixes, interpretations, and clarifications. However, the tax rule updates will be either will be neither easily searchable nor well indexed. Mm. Um, instead of three-ring binders completing, containing complete sets of tax code bugs and interpretation, the IRS rulings will be promulgated in a haphazard fashion by individual taxpayers via BBS, Usenet, mm. and Compuserve. <laughs> Uh-oh. And then, of course, the all-powerful Commissioner of Internal Revenue will jet around the country, giving speeches and granting numerous interviews, but only to select reporters. Changes in text code will be at the whim of the commissioner and largely kept secret until they are published.
1: And, and this one disclaimer, um, the, 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 that would be Troy Patterson, dear IRS, that would be Troy Patterson and not anyone. No, I'm
0: just kidding. Um, but they're they they're just different worlds. They just dif- different worlds. So, and education works the the same way. So, and you know it, when you're involved in education, it's really important that you gather together every once in a while.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yes, because um, find out what's in beta and um, and, and 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 confer mm-hmm. on what things are coming up. So,
0: absolutely. And conferences are. Are, are can be very, very useful, very, very powerful, and they're kind of, they may be on the wane,
1: but we'll That's see. That's interesting, because we talked about that, and I was talking with uh, somebody who would just been down to the Opryland USA or country down in Nashville, mm-hmm. and they're actually planning on expanding their conference uh, facilities. Have you been, you, you were That's at the Opryland? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for yeah. NMSA something, yeah, oh, some, six something, or something. seven or something. Um. And you remember how huge and giant that place is, and they're thinking about exp- expanding um, more conference space beyond that, even. So wow. Well, it's so interesting because
0: imp- it seems like lots of conferences are are going away or um, are, are seeing diminished attendance, but it seems like so some other ones are doing quite well. So maybe it's just wonder. the
1: conferences we go to. Well, I, I don't know because,
0: it, well, it's hard to tell, you know, because like the last NMSA conference, I don't remember hearing the numbers as to whether they were up or down. And then NMSA moves around, so I think sometimes it's it's kind of where it is as well.
1: Well, this next know. one should be pretty good because Indianapolis is pretty centrally located. A uh, large part, large part of the population lives within a day's drive of uh, Indianapolis. So yeah,
0: they were big on pushing that, weren't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, they had. I caught that little fact, <laughs> which means I need to get my hotel right away.
0: Yeah. So they, um, but we also the Michigan Joint Education Conference, which we went to, and um, mm-hmm. Sean did a wonderful job presenting it. <laughs> yeah, we need um, to rework this whole up uh, <laughs> e- by interest" uh, thing. Because the only um,
1: two parts they were interested in were the two parts that I had I had done.
0: It, yeah, so it was it was interesting. They voted, and I sat down, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay.
1: Wait, wait. wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I got to use this really cool iPod Touch as the uh, presentation tool. I thought that was really cool technology. It is. Used. It
0: is really neat because you can see the next slide, or you can see um, speaker notes, mm-hmm. whichever way you want to do that.
1: So, so guess what I bought this week <laughs> and I, and I put it on my iPhone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the iPod remote, the uh, keynote yep. remote, because remote, yeah. Very handy.
1: Yep, I, I really, really months. like
0: being able to see the next slide or speaker notes. If you put speaker notes in, cause I had a lot of speaker notes in just so I could keep track of where I was and, you know, some of the points that I wanted to say. And, um, and you didn't have a lot of speaker notes in there, so you had it set just for um, the next slide, so you can see the next slide and what's coming up
1: next. yeah, so I kept it in landscape and and that kept helped keep me a little bit on track and um, in not talking about things before I hit them on the next slide yeah but which is kind of nice because I tend to yeah you know, i I think everybody does that though you know you
0: tend to you get all this stuff and you're trying to get it out and you're you sometimes yeah. step on what you were going to do next. But it is. Oh, Here is the example what I just talking about.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was very nice. It was very very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we also did um, something we haven't done before. We we actually used a mixing board. <laughs> yeah, I, and yeah. we uh, we did some interviews. And did a
0: couple of interviews, which will be coming out. Yeah. We are. Um, we're dealing with a bit of a bandwidth issue, so we're trying to solve some of the, that. We have the. Storage space issue solved. (laughs) So so now we're working on the bandwidth issue, and um, we'll see. I think we have some solutions for that. I don't think we've gotten to the point where anybody's affected yet. We've just gotten to the warning, warning, danger, Will Robinson stage. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can fix it before we get to the point where um, something breaks.
1: We went down once temporarily, like for a few hours, which is a really wonderful problem to have. If you think about it, because it means folks are, are are listening to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, so Michigan the, Joint Education Conference. So let's let's saying. do
0: our conference. Let's do our. We we kind of start talking about our presentation. So um, we had a small crowd, which we kind of anticipated, being the end of the day and on a beautiful mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Um, We were actually over my estimate, but uh, <laughs> by two, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> um, but we had good participation in the, from the audience, and what we did is um, I did a little overview of the PLN, and I should have done more of an overview of a PLN, I think. So the next time we do this, we'll do a, a little more description of what a PLN really is, because I think that sets the stage uh, a little bit better. Yeah.
1: And, and we'll make it more clear that this is, this is for the teachers in the audience, um, Ultimately, it gets down to your students, but it's not for students to use. It's, right. it's going to be for you as a teacher to use for your own personal self. Yes, because –
0: and, and part of the issue that we faced is that with this topic, we could have presented for hours and hours and hours on, on end because mm-hmm. we could have extended this how to, into how you can use this with your kids um, as well. And we didn't have the time. So what we did is we had, uh, what, five different topics? De- Subject areas that we're, were we were ready to present on. We used yep. the Active Expressions, um, yep. which I brought with me, and very cool, very cool tool. Very very cool tool. In terms of formative assessment and finding out what people know and and want to know. So um, we had the five of them listed. Asked them to pick two of them, and the two that were pretty clearly. <laughs> um, um, voted for, wanted, um, was um, Twitter and social networking.
1: Yeah, which we called Facebook and which happened yeah, to be Sean's. Yeah. made Troy really happy. because. <laughs> and I only had to rats. vote 45 times in order for that to <laughs> run. I asked him, I said, Troy, can I have one of those little, little keypad things? He said, no. No. I didn't get to vote. But what I felt disenfranchised.
0: But what he didn't know is that I had grabbed
1: ones to make sure they would work. <laughs> I didn't bother to mention that, you know, there were 10 more people who voted than were actually in the room. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, and actually, I should say though, with uh, with those, one of the nice things is they can only vote once. Once they vote, they're it's done. They're done. They they can't go back and vote unless they grab another remote and vote. So, but it worked out pretty nicely. Um, so we kind of had those ready. They voted, and then um, Sean did a nice job with both of those. But we still kind of ran out of time.
1: He's being kind. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to talk about with uh, with, and I just focused on Twitter microblogging. I didn't even focus on blogging in general. Right. And uh, and th- that took that took what forty minutes. And so there's only twenty minutes left to talk about um, social networking and like Facebook and some other things that, and and we talked about how to use it. There's a lot of folks there that were interested in how to, they they didn't do it. I and mean, we we talked we asked the question, how many of you currently use this? And nobody said. I, I don't well there's one or two said I use it. I know how to use it right now. So we spent a little bit of time just talking about how to set it up and get yeah. get into it and use it a little bit and that sort of thing. So. so but that went well
0: and we did um we did an interview during lunch with uh Jeff LaRue. Um and we're gonna get that posted. That might take a little bit of time. Um and then we did an interview with um Teresa Sutherland as well. And yes. we're gonna get those posted up as as um and just a little bit, we're going to kind of hold off on those a little bit, I think, and make you wait, I know. So you have to check your feed regularly. Or you could go to the site and check it there, and where would they go if they wanted to check it on the site?
1: Well, they probably should check us out at uh, middleschoolmatters.com. Send us an email at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. They can, of course, find both of us on Facebook. They can uh, check us out on Twitter. Uh, MS Matters on mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, of course, you can also Google our names—not Google, but Twitter our names—and you can find us both there on Twitter. Um, we got to get maybe a little more twittering. I've kind twittering, of tweeting. I've I kind say. of
0: uh, yeah. I've kind of. Uh, I'm going to get back to that because there's lots of information. I go. Ooh, I should get this out. And uh, it's just been a crazy, crazy time. So um,
1: you know. It, NMSA has started to do, use Twitter and with their NMSA news, you can follow them on Twitter, and I think that's a really great resource for them because it's a really quick way to get information yeah. out to people and folks, and it get makes them current, makes them uh, constant, and it makes the, it's pushing information into rather than having people come and try to and get the information from from mm-hmm. them. I think it's a great idea.
0: It is. So, um, so that was kind of our session, and I thought it went really well. Um, I also went to another session that I thought was really was really interesting they were um, very focused they have a a visual tool really kind of like a checklist for special ed students um, and what they this is coming out of Traverse City and they've said that what they found is by looking at this visual graph this visual chart uh kind of a one-stop shop where you're looking at all your special ed kids that and they've been using this with several different districts and um, what has happened is they've noticed some things like they had one school that noticed that there was an awful lot of kids going into special ed in second grade so it was like well wait a minute why do we have all these kids going into special ed in second grade so it led to some really good discussion of what that what some of the effects of it were um so, if anyone is interested, I've replicated the form as we were sitting there talking. It is that it does come from Traverse City. I'm not taking any. Uh, I don't think there's any copyright issues on on it. You know, I'll I'll uh, I'll gladly attest that it's the the belongs to to Traverse City. Uh, but I thought it was neat, and it's something that I think I'm going to use with my special ed department, and I'll share it with my district-wide because it is just a neat checklist to take a kind of a 30,000 foot view of special ed because in special ed we get so wrapped up into the individual kid sometimes we lose the we really lose the communication um, and there was one of the ladies in the session with me and she said you know I'm a math teacher and it 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 wasn't ever really communicated in a way that I could understand that this kid had a problem with reading and this was the problem with reading. Uh And I I think we get so caught up sometimes in the individual kid and the kid can do this, can't do that, that we don't communicate that well to all of the teachers. And then we don't look at this on a bigger scale, the 30,000-foot level, and say, okay, what are we doing? Which kids are involved how are they involved and in what's happening? And actually, um, Michigan is seeing a little bit of uh, attention because we're over national averages on on special ed and special ed identification. So, um, you know, this was something that was, was kind of, uh, I think it's useful. I think it's something that, that can be very handy. And if you would like a copy of, because I've made a couple of changes, nothing real drastic, but I've made a couple of changes. If you'd like a copy of that, Um, spreadsheet, you can just drop me an email at middleschooleducators at com, and I'll be happy to share that with you. So it was one of the sessions I went to.
1: I went to one on HyperStudio, HyperStudio 5. Uh, Which was kind of
0: interesting because um, I'm going to share this with you. I know I just got finished talking and people are tired of hearing me talk already, but which is kind of interesting because as Sean and I were putting together the presentation, I had made this comment about Man, I really I miss HyperStudio for doing um, for doing presentations like this because we weren't going very linearly. linearly. Our presentation wasn't linear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what we wanted to do is we wanted to be able to jump around to go from okay if we're at this section we want to be able to go down to this section because we were doing the vote. Okay, you you know let the let everybody vote on what they want to see and then we're going to address that. I said, in the Hyper Studio, that would have been really, really easy. And as I found out, it's really, really easy in Keynote, too. <laughs> it's just that I didn't have that skill set yet. So um, playing around a little more with Keynote, which is I like more and more as we play around with it.
1: Yeah, and Hyper Studio, the guy that presented Hyper Studio 5, I guess the guy who originally designed it, um, bought the rights back or got the... Mm-hmm materials back for it. And, and Matt Kiev in Boston, um, is now producing it and, 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 and adding on to it and enhancing it. Uh, they came out with the Mac version first and they'll be coming out with a PC version here soon, I guess. But there's, um, it, it's a nice program. And the guy that, uh, introduced it and showed it to us, um, you know, did a pretty good job. Uh, there's a lot of things in there that are exactly like, Keynote, um, the masks and, the. The shapes and the, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of things in HyperStudio Five look like um, look like something that I would I would expect to see back on the old two GSs when they, you know when it had the nice graphics and it made it easier to put the graphics in and do things, play around with the graphics, move around, do whatever. Um, those things are there. It's still very kid like. Uh, it's not like it's, it doesn't look like it doesn't have a look and feel like something for that like, we would use at NMSA or any of the presentations we've done. Um, But there are a lot of things that are in Keynote are also in this HyperStudio 5. Uh, And so it goes back to preference. Um, I prefer to use Keynote because that's something I've played with and used and I'm very, very familiar with. It's not that I couldn't pick up HyperStudio 5 probably and do the same things with it. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of do I want to do that. And and for what I want to do, Keynote has that look and feel that I'm looking for in, in connecting with who I'm presenting to whereas um, Hyper Studio 5 just might be perfect for what my kids need to use to connect with other kids, perhaps. We'll see. Yeah, but, and I uh, think Hyper Studio 5 is out there, and, and it's a wonderful little program.
0: It, so. it is, and I think that largely Keynote has kind of caught up with Hyper Studio and the interactivity, which was a, a real hallmark 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it, is very, it was designed for kids to be able to use it and for kids to be able to do some very powerful things. So I haven't looked at the, the newest version yet, so I can't speak to it. But, I mean, I'm talking 15 years ago. I was able to do presentations that y- you just you couldn't do with PowerPoint at that time. There was no keynote back then. There was Claris Impact. You couldn't do it with Impact. or And it did look a lot sharper because you really can tweak the look of it so that it looks much more professional.
1: I happen to have a a free demo copy that gives me 30 days worth of unlimited access to Hyperstone well, 5.
0: Enjoy that. I'm I'm going to learn Keynote better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe I don't know we should give it away as a as a surprise maybe someday.
0: <laughs> and if my summer was about 3 years long, maybe I could add it in there, but I've already got so much stuff for this summer that um, not too much else is going to happen. Um, so you know, that was I, – I had gone to a couple of other sessions, but um, I didn't quite get as much out of them as um, – there was one that I went to that had nice, some nice reading strategies, and I'll share the reading strategies with my building and some of my teachers, and I thought they were pretty good, but um, they're related to stuff that we we're doing as well.
1: Yeah, so. I went to one on uh, blueprints for communication, blueprints for writing. Um, it was very nice. It was a – it was a – um, exhibitors' presentation. Um, so they were, you know, trying to get us to to look at their product. And I will and I'll give their product a really good look. Um, there's some things I like about it, some things I would change about it. Um, but I'll talk about those in, maybe in the coming days, in weeks. You know, one of the things that did happen um, after the Hyper Studio presentation, uh, there was a lady coming in to talk about the bucket fillers. Yes. And while she was getting ready and whatnot, there was a lady... Who had, had taken a seat in the in the back, and she turned and looked at our our little board set up and our two microphones and our computer sitting there and <laughs> and uh, getting ready to do a, an interview after after that session, and she said, "Oh, are you podcasters?" And, and and I said, "Oh yeah, we we podcast." And she goes, "Are you Tony and Chris?" And I said, no, we're we're not Tony and Chris. She goes, well, you guys do a a middle school podcast. I said, yeah. She goes, you have a headphone, you know, the outline of a head with headphones and MSM in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's us. Yeah, Tony and Chris. No, no, we're not Tony and Chris. And she goes, well, uh, the the guy from MI Champs talked about you guys yesterday. We heard your podcast. I said, really? And beforehand, this guy walked by, and we were looking at the exhibitors. And the guy walked behind us and said, oh, I follow you guys. And he just kept right on going. And I looked at yeah, Troyan said, you know that guy? I don't know that guy. <laughs> I looked at Sean
0: going, you know that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that guy.
1: And it turns out he does a presentation for my Champs, and he uh, was talking about podcasting, and he was looking for Michigan podcasters in particular and found us and, and used us as an example for uh, podcasters. And so we, uh, we really appreciate Kevin using us as an example in his presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't catch his last name, the sheep, of course, the same lady that called us Tony and Chris called him Keith. So mm-hmm. I automatically started off on the wrong foot by calling him by the wrong name. So shout out to, oh yes, Kevin Galbra. <laughs> Good. Trey caught that. Or Tony caught that, should I say? <laughs> I
0: was going to say, my um, Tony? Am I Chris? Or am yeah.
1: I? <laughs> well, I figured the whole the T, T alliteration, we just had to go with the Tony. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Kevin Galbraith. So sh- big shout-out to Kevin Galbraith. Thank you so much for using us as an example in your MI Champs uh, podcasting um, example session there. And, of course, big shout-outs to Jeff LaRue and Teresa Sutherland for being interview guests on our podcast at, uh, at MIJAC, Michigan Joint Education Conference. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We do.
0: We do. And uh, I think people are going to really like both of the interviews. Um, Jeff's interview was a little bit longer. Yep, probably because of uh, me asking the questions and because <laughs> um, I can get windy. Um, but he, but Jeff just has so much information that you yep. know, I really wish we could get him on the show like every week for a year, and we still would barely scratch the uh, surface of what he knows and does with his staff members. He's just awesome.
1: Yeah, he'd be he'd be great to have as a Feature in here, even if it was just the advisory, advisory, advisory section, that's right. Because uh, he's an expert in advisory. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so we they also are. have, some all right, <laughs> 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 what well, export's your part?
1: <laughs> when you when went the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, okay. um, how about some stuff from the Twitter person? I didn't know if we were done talking about Jeff or not, yeah, because there's lots we could say about Jeff. There is, um. Of course, there's, we should make you listen to the to the Jeff podcast is what we should do. How about stuff from the Twitterverse this week? I left the uh, Photo Peach uh, Create Movies and Photos um, section up there from Russell Tarr. Uh, PC Mike is talking about Zagaware. Uh It's an intersection of search and social media. Give that a look if you're looking for jumping into the whole social media thing. It's a great way to uh, to search out some stuff. Uh, oh, I just lost try. Uh, R.M. Byrne, uh, check out playlist.com. It's mentioned by Steve Hargenham. You'll have to check it out because I haven't had a chance to check that out just yet. It popped up this morning uh, just before the podcast, but it looked interesting. So I threw it in there for you to play with. Tell me what you think about it on the website or send us an email and tell us what you think about it. Uh, Russell Tarr also has some 100 best iPhone apps for serious self-learners, which could definitely be used in a in a professional learning network situation You know, for your own uh, personal professional development. Uh, Sue waters who is in DC this week, uh, has a new blog post about the top five mistakes made by new bloggers. And then she's interested in finding out what your top five mistakes are. Um, Russell Tar has this, uh, uh, a link to a place where you can combine PowerPoint web pages, photos, and, uh, voice in a presentation tool. I just started looking at it here before the show. It's called Flowgram. It's in a beta, uh, state, uh, and I'm going to look at more of that this week, but you should be able to combine a wide variety of resources into one uh, interactive presentation type style. So I'll play more with that this week, but you check it out, too, and tell me what you think, if it's something that you might try using in your own classroom.
0: I'm having a tough time keeping up with you here. Cause <laughs> yeah, well,
1: I'm, I'm kind of moving because um, we've got lots to talk about in the, uh, in the news section this week. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Scribble Maps. You can actually draw on Google Maps with scribblings and more. That's also from Russell Tarr. Um, there's a free set of glossy icons you can use. To, you know, they, they're, they're, they got that slick um, quartz look to them. So I threw those in there for you to use on your, your computer screen. Uh, PC Mike is retweeting an article I saw about uh, too much time online straining marriages. There's a research done in Ireland about people who spend a lot of time online. And if, the, more spend you, the more time you spend online the more strain it creates on a marriage, which would kind of stand to reason because mm-hmm. if you're not talking to each other, well then, mm-hmm. so. Um, K Chichester just joined the Neckning. Neckning. That's kind of a kind of fun NECC
0: look. for um, those who aren't reading the show notes right now.
1: And and you notice this isn't a TLA, by the way. That's right. It's a FLA. That's right. right it's a four-letter acronym. Well, actually,
0: it would be a F. O-R-O-L-A or something like that. A, four. a T-L-A works because three-letter acronym is three letters. If you're going to do a four-letter acronym, you need to do like a C-F-L-A, a confusing four-letter acronym.
1: Oh, there you go. There see, you go. I got gotcha. gotcha. you. I got you. You got to go. The with whole the uh, yeah. alliteration um, You got to stick with it. Yep,
0: yep, 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 yep.
1: This is why I didn't do well in that section of the ACT. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I still got a job. Um, there's the Neckning um, link to it there, so you can attend NECC 09 virtually. Uh, Second Life Worlds created for classroom use. Uh, Russell Tarr posted this. Check that out, but uh, be wary because there's a Teen Grid also that is supposed to be for your your classroom use. And um, some new book suggestions based on what you just read. It's great for student research. There's a link to some, some, some book link stuff for kids, from also from Russell Tarr. So excellent stuff from the Twitterverse.
0: Good. Yeah, Russell Tar apparently is a pretty active kind of guy there.
1: And he he posts a lot of good stuff related to classroom use. Um, yeah, he's one of my stronger. Uh, links in my PLN. It's not that we necessarily talk, and we've talked about this in our presentation about lurking, because um, I, I do a lot of lurking online, but I also do a lot of retweeting, and I, and I find myself retweeting a lot of stuff that Russell Tarr puts out there because it's some pretty decent stuff. Mm-hmm. And I follow, you know I, know, I don't necessarily follow somebody just because they have good resources that I can use, but um, he's definitely one I would recommend for somebody who's, who usually finds some pretty good stuff, educator stuff. Yeah, that used in your and, and,
0: and I said that's one of the things that frustrates me is I want good education stuff. I don't care what people are eating for breakfast. <laughs> it's just kind of me and what I'm looking for. So,
1: Yeah, and by the same token, he's not one who's going to say, you know, I got this thing in my classroom I'm Not sure how to solve this. Hey, anybody got any ideas out there? Yeah. That's not him. He, he's just a resource um, type. Well, and, and that's fine. I
0: think you need, but I think you need to find a range of those people because mm-hmm. I think sometimes if you find like the person who gives you a lot of resources, and then you find a person who is asking those questions, it get you to think, too, and go, how would I solve that? What would I do? And maybe provide some other conversation that way.
1: And that's pretty beneficial. You, you need a balance like that in it's your P.L.N. Well, you know, one side or the other, is not, you're not really learning then
0: Absolutely. or thinking.
1: You're just absorbing. So, hey.
0: We've got some news. What's in the news? We've got, you know, there's a push for um, national standards. And right now, the push is for voluntary national standards mm-hmm. and um, it's I think it 's interesting because this keeps coming up um, an awful lot, and i don 't hear a lot of about it through work, but I am seeing a lot of it at higher levels at this point as states are talking about things like this um, and so there's an article that says, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago there was an article about Alaska was not buying into the common standards. And um, this week we have a, an article coming out of Texas that says Texas is one of four states that is uh, sitting out an effort to create voluntary national standards for what students are expected to learn in school. And I think this is an important discussion for people to be aware of because I got a feeling it's either going to be done with us or to us. So um, I think it's important that we at least know about it and think about it. And Texas is sitting out right now there's forty six states. the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands are all on board with the project, which is spearheaded by the National Governors Association and the Council of Chief State School officers um, and of course, Arnie Duncan Donuts is a um, also a supporter <laughs> Um, and he's supporting to the, to the tune of, uh, $350 million to create the tests, to help create the test, um, partners in the project, including the college board, ACT and achieve, no surprise there, I would guess, uh, hope a set of national standards will make us students more competitive in the global marketplace. Um, and they're they're citing the current system with its 50 state hodgepodge of standards. I mean students in Massachusetts, known for its rigor, have different expectations than students in, say, Mississippi. <laughs> A set of common standards could help colleges, teachers, and textbook publishers. Supporters yeah. say. Um, Texas says that they'll look at them and. Um, and make sure that Texas standards are always higher, which I thought was an interesting um, hmm. interesting little quote there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there, there's a quote from Gene Wilhoyt, executive director of the Council of Chief State School Officers. It says, we really don't want the federal government setting standards. Um, But Texas is pointing out that it just updated its standards and textbooks and doesn't need to start over. Doing so would cost the state in the neighborhood of two to three billion Mm dollars. The supporters say that um, states spend billions in taxpayer dollars to periodically develop new curriculum tests, money that could be saved with a joint effort. It's economically prudent. And I think that's one of the key aspects here. Is some of this is economically driven as well. Um, from an academic perspective, the hope is that the national standard would raise the bar for everyone. So um, they're they're looking at um, a little uh, at how it is that they can put this in. I also like the uh, former U.S. Secretary of Education, Margaret Spellings, calling the effort, quote, a little bit of a Trojan horse. So, um, you know, she says that Texas is moving forward and how our standards right now, you don't need to move forward on some multi-state process to tell you what, she, what to do. I worry this is a lot of progress and a lot of changing of the subject. Um, process. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I think that we're, you know, we're we're definitely heading down the road of national standards. It's just a question of when we're going to get there. I think
1: Um, unless something
0: changes radically and
1: there's there's one key one key sentence I think at the top of the article which means it's going to happen sooner than later, and that's the the federal federal stimulus money three hundred and fifty million dollars districts mm-hmm. are going to snap that up and then they're going to implement it states I'm sorry in this case states because districts aren't going to have a say in this right um, states are going to snap this money up and then and then enforce it on the the local districts um, in order to get the three hundred and fifty dollars and 350 million dollars in federal stimulus stimulus money. Of 350 million dollars. I mean,
0: you start spreading that around.
1: Yeah, that's, that's not a whole lot.
0: Now, if you're looking just, at 50 states sharing it,
1: no. Uh, let's just do a quick uh, F12 here. 350. One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six. Oh, uh, well, well I, Sean computes it. I think the.
0: The issue here is we're seeing we've seen this progression leading toward national standards it's it's been a very clear continuum since really roughly if you look at ninety one ninety two we've been on a movement toward national standards with the the um oh god it just it just left me the whole we started going to outcome based education and then um, there was a big report that said education was in trouble, and I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, it was with me a minute ago. And then with the passage of No Child Left Behind, you know, there's there's just a real a real easily definable movement toward national standards and national testing. And uh, well, like you said, I think we're going to get there I don't know when we're going to get there, but we're definitely headed that way.
1: Would you do it for $6.6 6 million? On a state level? On a state level. That's chump change. No, that's just... that's just uh, Here, I, I got this in my pocket, and I'll just... Here. That's chump change. change.
0: On the state level, that's chump change.
1: Because our district is losing $1 million just in the adjustment for um, basic funding per student. I mean, that's... And if you imagine... In my district, it's a rather small district compared to a lot of other districts. You say our, di- to our district
0: lost like eleven million dollars out of some of that, and is facing losing another six million dollars out of some of the other legislative that's legislative um, decisions that are coming out of Lansing right now. So,
1: so by the time it filters down to the local school district, you're only talking about a few thousand dollars to to implement a large change.
0: Well, but the 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 districts wouldn't be implementing. The well, districts are getting the curriculum from the state, so it's really the state level. And then the state level, it depends on if you need if you're going to need additional books or you need additional supplies. If it matches up with the books that you've already got, then and you're just looking at the testing part of it, um, then we don't really do much with it. I mean, we have to give the test, but it's not like we. Um, have a big buy-in, not buy-in to the test, but it's not like we have much control over the test itself. That comes from the state. So,
1: so is $6.6 million enough to put the writing portion back in at all grade levels at the state for the meet? Or for, uh, you know, the state, I would for the probably state. say
0: absolutely not, especially considering it's only a two-year process. And just to give our listeners some context, our state has traditionally done reading, writing, and math testing from third grade to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Right. And what, what we're, they're doing next year is they're looking at doing reading and math testing from third grade to eighth grade and targeting the writing at fourth grade and seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So because the writing portion is expensive because uh, you have to have people read it. And you're talking millions of Papers that you have to have people read.
1: And usually twice, because you usually have two people grade it, right. two scores. And then based on that, and then the scores are disparate too far and you a third person. Third
0: person read. So yeah. so it's expensive to do. And, uh, you know, six million isn't going to do much. And it's certainly not going to do much two years later when that money is completely gone. And if you were looking at it that way, you're looking at three million dollars a year. If you're going to break it out over two years. And then what do you do? How do you replace that money after two years? So it's, it's, but I think the, I think the impetus is still there though. Because I think people have been looking at trying to get this to happen. It's just a question of when it's going to happen. And, you know, maybe they're saying, look for the $6 million, we can get it developed. So you can, then supplant the testing that you have and the money that you're already spending for that. Instead of spending it on that, you can spend it on this. And there is continual testing that's gone on that goes on with, uh, with the test. There's continual changes. And if you could spread that money out over 50 states versus just your state, then that does make economic sense for a state. And that would have a huge impact on, on states and how much money they're spending.
1: What if this $350 million in federal stimulus money never makes it to the state whatsoever, doesn't at all? Think about it this way. What if it's used just to create the national test, and then as part of NCLB, you're required to give this test anyway? No additional funding, no additional stimulus, no additional whatever. You have to do it in order to get your, your foundation grant or your foundation right. from your whatever the NCLB money, wherever it comes from.
0: It's your category. Uh, what if,
1: what if this is just for the creation of the test and the printing of 100 million copies?
0: And that's where I think that this could come into play. It's not the schools getting six – it's not the states getting $6 million. It's the states getting a test that's ready to go, and then they'll pay a share of that to update it, which they're currently spending right now anyway. Um, And that potentially could be less. And that could potentially be millions of dollars of less every year. And that's how the, economically it makes sense.
1: It's just so instead a, of an SAT and an ACT, mm-hmm. you get a NCT, a national college test that you have to take. And then everybody bases them. Of course, we know how well the ACT and the SAT are predictors of success in college. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, they're going to use a set of counter, uh, common standards to help colleges, teachers, and textbook publishers. Um, Most colleges will tell you that that the ACT and the SAT are not predictors of success for college. Well, let's let's
0: take a a step back in in terms of ACT and SAT are now being used for competency Mm -hmm. ending high school, Mm -hmm. which is something even different yet than what they were originally designed to do, which was to tell you how well someone would do in college. And now the ACT specifically is being used in Michigan to determine how well school high schools are educating kids, which is a whole. Uh, it changes the whole parameter of the test. The test is doing something it wasn't really designed to do. Um, so, on that hand, would this be something that would be actually better than what we have right now? I, I don't know. But there's a there's A lot of people that have spent a lot more time thinking about this than I have and have a lot better ideas on it, and there's a lot of concern over doing this. I think it's important that we start talking about it, we start talking about it to each other, and we start understanding why it is that we might want to do it or not want to do it. Because on the surface level, someone who's not involved in this at all, it seems to make perfect sense, right? Let's give all the kids a test so we know where they are and we can compare the kids in Michigan to the kids in Florida to the kids in Utah to the ki- and make sure everybody is getting the same opportunities well there's some reasons you know just on the surface level that would seem to make sense and on the surface level you could see where it would be a lot cheaper it's the you know the the economy of scale if instead of having 50 states all developing something separately you have one group that's developing it for all 50 states each of the states can kick in a little bit toward the uh the continual advancement of it toward the um you know developing new questions making sure the questions are accurate and all of that so on the surface it seems to make sense
1: as a school district are you willing to give up that type of control making those decisions because what, what we're ultimately saying here is we're exchanging local control and state control Absolutely. to national control. Absolutely. And so fewer, fewer, fewer people have a voice in the process or in the decision-making. Is, right. is that something that places are willing to give up?
0: And that's going to be part of the, the larger question, isn't it, is are our, our districts going to be willing to give up that kind of um, – of information, uh, that kind of power Are states going to be willing to give up That kind of control Are ISDs or Regional educational service Organizations going to be willing to give up I mean, I think it's Something that, like I said I think earlier, I think it's something That's been in process for quite a while It's just a question of when And um, I think that's why We haven't done it so far Is that you have to go through this process You can't just say, okay, we're going to do this now it's got to go through this whole long process because we have a long history of of local control for education. And I think that's changing.
1: I wonder how that would line up with the Northwest Ordinance, especially, you know, fitting into what we're mm-hmm. – because that Northwest Ordinance, Ordinance set up that whole system of uh, basis of education for in states, you know, in the Midwest. So It sure did. I, I, my, one little sparkling moment here, two seconds. Okay. I, I got to love this this – on the on the website, the, there's a flashing advertisement. You can make a world of, dis, of difference. National clandestine service careers. The Central <laughs> Intelligence Agency, uh-huh. the work of a nation. The Center of Intelligence. Suddenly, <laughs> I want to make a career change.
0: Uh, I like that. All right. All right. So, um, so we've got that. Um, let's let's see. We have to we have to do some editing here because we had lots and lots of stories. Um let's do one on bullying this is one that I thought was really interesting the um and this comes from I want to say Indiana
1: Purdue governor Purdue sounds right
0: yeah um and this is that the house is sending a bill on addressing bullying and they passed it 58 to 57, um, and it goes to, um, it's awaiting Beverly Purdue's signature, and um, to make it a law, the bill is meant to protect students who are harassed for reasons such as race, religion, or disabilities. It also would protect students from being tormented because of their real or perceived sexual orientation. The bill requires that teachers, students, and volunteers report any incidents of bullying, and it leaves the details of reporting procedures and punishments up to the school districts. Um, and and I, I, I just... I think it's interesting that the legislators are getting involved in bullying um, because it starts out with students and administrators might be living on different planets when it comes to school bullying. Students say it is common for bullies to taunt or hit them or their classmates and for teachers to do little to stop it. Superintendents and principals say that bullying is a small problem and that policies to discourage it work well. And I think we're getting a different perception here a uh, real difference in perception um, in terms of the kids think it's, you know, the, the biggest thing because it's happening to them. and It is a very real issue. And the superintendents and principals are saying, you know, bullying has been around for a long time. We address it. We're constantly addressing it, you know. But in the bigger picture, it's not a huge thing. I mean it's a huge thing. I don't I don't it, it, this is a difficult topic <laughs> to not come not come off the wrong way. It is a huge thing, but it's life is messy and life isn't perfect and there's things that you're going to have to go through and you know this is most bullying is of low-level incidents. There's not uh, there's not the the tons and tons of really really um you know, kids picked on so, so bad that it becomes, um, you know, something that we've seen that hits the news in a major way. Let's say, um, and as Sean has pointed out to me, this is North Carolina, not Indiana.
1: Um, we're thinking chickens. What we're thinking?
0: Well, no, it's that I was I was reading lots of different articles, and I just got it confused with somewhere else and where i mean the the address is noobsobserver.com um and which there's nowhere generic. there's nowhere on there that it just kind of shouts at you where this the um the state is so
1: it, well in really teeny letters it says raleigh durham carry chapel hill which <laughs> i didn't notice until just now but really teeny we're I talking like you know 7 point font
0: i, gonna say, I underneath,
1: underneath the date versus saturday all right. gonna be around two thousand. Okay. <laughs> oh, it does. But we were okay. in, we were interested in the article. We weren't you yeah know, looking at the pictures.
0: There's lots of there's lots of ads between that as well. Right. Um, so, but I think it's interesting because at in a middle school level, we know that we have to deal with bullying. We know that it's something that's common. We know it's something that we address. It's something that we continue to address. And um, there's nobody saying that we don't need to address it. I'm just not sure that a statewide bill, I just worry about what a statewide bill could turn into. You know, if one kid calls another kid gay, because that's just a common um, term, they may not even know what it means half the time. Um, they just know that it's something bad from their perspective. Now we're going to get mail because I, I said it's yeah. bad. It's not It's not bad. It's just something that they view as an insult.
1: Well, a lot of them don't even use the term in, in that fashion. Like right. a lot of my kids will use the term, It what when they say, you know, oh, that's gay, what they're saying is they don't understand. They're not trying to use it in a derogatory manner or derogatory right. fashion. And they'll get upset if you think that, you know, they're – that they did it that way what they're really saying is i don't understand what you just said or i understand what's going on um but but like like you're saying this requires teachers to report it but so what if i report it What it goes on a you know um a bullying uh offenders uh list and there's a list of bullying offenders for every community and you get to find out how far they live down the street from your kid and there's no punishments attached to this i mean that they are talking about adding some some punishments which i thought was very interesting because they want to bring back corporal punishment for bullying so let's hit the let's let's hit the hitters
0: yeah and i really think that, that it's interesting that the legislators are taking this part on in how they're taking it on it's something that schools, especially middle schools, deal with on a daily, daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that legislators understand that we really do take this on on a daily, daily basis. And, um, you know, there have been a few incidents that are very well publicized. that hit the news where it wasn't addressed. It wasn't addressed um, adequately. But I'm not sure that this bill would would necessarily make that any different because in several cases it's the kids not saying anything and the kids just kind of responding and quite frankly life is kind of messy and kids are not um, pre-programmed widgets that you can just say oh if, if the kid says this to them this is going to happen so um, so again I thought it was something interesting that the legislators were addressing and uh, you know it's important that we bring it up and that we address it and we address it regularly, so
1: this is I think this is gonna frustrate teachers. There's nothing frustrating, more frustrating for some teachers than when you yeah, okay, so I have to do something about it, but nothing's gonna be done once I've done something something about it, so it makes the teacher look impotent, you know, powerless, well, oh yeah, the teacher yelled at me for doing for doing that, I'll just do it again, yeah. and all that happens is I get yelled at by the teacher again. But, again,
0: from, from this part, they're saying that the teachers don't, didn't do anything about it. But, I mean, I've heard that from lots of kids. Teachers didn't do anything about it. And so I say, well, okay, tell me what happened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I go through and it goes, well, yeah, the teacher took the kid out in the hallway. Yeah, the teacher yelled at him. Yeah, the teacher did this. Yeah, the teacher gave him detention. But the teacher didn't do anything. Well, Jiminy Crickets, it seems to me, the teacher did do something. The teacher addressed it. The teacher stopped it in the classroom right then and there. <laughs> kid has attention. Kid has, what is it that you were looking for the teacher to do at that point? Well, I don't know, but something. <laughs> well, they did. And um, so it, it's, it really points out to me the difference in perception. And, you know, legislators have one perception and they're going to hear from kids who have one perception and they're going to hear from principals who have another perception and Mm -hmm. superintendents who have yet another perception. And, uh, you know, life just isn't nice and clean and pretty all the time. So um, I think it's something that we have to continue to address. I'm just not sure that a legislative law on it is going to do anything but make me fill out more paperwork.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm not sure it's going to have any impact on the kids.
1: And, and teachers then will feel there's another thing for them to do. and mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, and yeah. they have to make sure that they're addressing bullying.
1: I mean, yeah, they and have and to they do, do think, that
0: on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, um, and I don't think teachers don't want to do that. But by the same token, uh, let's put in another context. What if the state legislature says, all right, so if a kid chews gum in your class, here's what you're going to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And if a kid throws paper in your class, here's what you're gonna do:
0: fill out this 1117 hey, uh, right, form. form.
1: Stroke, stroke one in triplicate, and wow. one goes to the in-school office, one goes to the system principal, and one goes in your files so that when you know your, your school gets audited by the state, then you can show, show. yes, you did something. How many to incidents
0: this issue? of bullying did you have, and what was the response right. of each one?
1: Report this back to your ISD using Zangle.
0: Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So we would like to hear from you, um, and how it is you address bullying and, um, whether you think a law would be a good idea. So you can head over to the site and drop us a note, um, mm-hmm. in the comment section. Of course, you can always drop us an email at middle school educators at gmail.com mm-hmm. or, um, you know, another thing that we always like is we love those iTunes comments. Oh, that's true. We haven't we haven't gotten any additional iTunes comments lately, so we'd love to hear an iTunes comment. Um, and then, if there's any topics that you would like to hear about during the summer, uh, is there a focus that you want to take for next year? That you give us some feedback, we'd appreciate hearing about that as well. So, with that, uh, until next week. Uh, oh, I should say, um, look for the. Uh, special interviews coming up over the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, With Jeff LaRue and Teresa Sutherland um, I really think you're going to like those Those should be coming out Those will be special editions um, And, you know, we're, we're going to keep recording through the summer We may not quite be every week But we will be recording through the summer And um, sharing So, you know, get your ideas into us um, Gosh knows we could use them With that, until next week, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care.